Back in 2010, when she was running for governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley met in private with two men. The recording is a bit hard to hear, but the men are with a Confederate heritage group, and they want Haley to support Confederate History Month. We just support a Confederate History Month for this um, I mean, yes, it's part of the traditional, you know, it's part of tradition. And so Haley says that, yes. You know, as long as it's done where um, it is in a positive way and not in a negative way, and it doesn't go to harm anyone, and it goes back to... Haley is also pushed to keep the Confederate flag, the symbol of the pro-slavery states from the Civil War, flying on state house grounds. Haley reassures them the flag would stay. But when Haley did become governor, she changed her mind. The Confederate flag, I've said from from the very beginning, never should have been there in the first place. But because it was there, I saw the opportunity that maybe we could have a conversation about bringing it down. Today, Nikki Haley is running for president in the Republican primary. And take it from me. The first minority female governor in history. America is not a racist country. Which led reporter Michael Cranish to look deeper at the story of Haley and the Confederate flag. Sometimes the history of this story gets summarized in a sentence, something to the effect of Nikki Haley took down the Confederate flag, and it's something that she's so well known for. In fact, it's a lot more complicated than that. In fact, for years, Haley pushed back on calls to remove the flag. She assured Confederate heritage groups that she would not change her mind and that she would not act to take down the flag. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Libby Casey. It's Monday, July 10th. Today, the complicated relationship between Nikki Haley and the Confederate flag, and what this chapter in her past tells us about the candidate we see on the campaign trail now. My colleague Anahad O'Connor sat down with political investigative reporter Michael Cranish to hear more about Michael's reporting. Here they are. Michael. I remember very vividly this instance where Nikki Haley, as governor of South Carolina, took down the Confederate flag from the state grounds. It was national, perhaps even international, news. But one thing I didn't know at the time was that in 2010, the Wall Street Journal reported that Haley had actually met with groups who were in favor of keeping the flag up at the state capitol. Can you tell me more about this meeting and what Haley said? So in 2010, there's two groups that uh, basically celebrate the heritage of the Confederacy in South Carolina. One was uh, a veterans group, and another one was called Palmetto Patriots. And there's two men representing these groups. They get Nikki Haley to sit down in a conference room, and a videotape machine of some kind is rolling. And they ask her all sorts of questions, but for 10 straight minutes, they ask her, what's your position? Would you remove the flag from in front of the Statehouse grounds? And, you know, would you ever do that? Your answer to that question was, I believe there are people in the state that are passionate about the flag being there. There are people in the state that are passionate about the flag not being there. And they just need to get together and work it out. We'd like to know what your position is on the Confederate flag. She assures them that she has no interest in removing the flag. She doesn't see that it would be viable. Um, And as far as her own view on the flag, she makes this comment. I was first reported by the Wall Street Journal back in 2010 
in which she says that uh, she sees it as a question of tradition versus change. She doesn't mention the word slavery. You know, at the end of the day, what I think we need to remember is um, that, you know, everyone is supposed to have their rights. Everyone's supposed to be free. Everyone's supposed to have the same um, freedoms as anyone else. So, you know, I think it was tradition versus change is the way I see it. Tradition versus there are many in South Carolina, certainly black South Carolinians and many whites, who did see the Confederate flag as a symbol of racism. She assured these two Confederate heritage group leaders that she didn't see it as a symbol of racism. She gave them every assurance that she could to try to win them over. That was apparently very important to her. And had she not done that, perhaps she would not have had a chance to win that Republican primary. And Michael, how did this square with what she said publicly about the Confederate flag? Was this at odds at all with anything she said publicly? Was she trying to appease these groups? I mean, she had to have been hearing from black legislators. How did this square with what she said publicly about the Confederate flag? Well, publicly, she and the other Republican candidates opposed taking the flag down. So on the the overarching issue, it wasn't different from what she was saying publicly she just spoke in an awful lot more detail and made these comments in this meeting. You know, it's not a prepared statement by a campaign where they try to carefully couch things. She goes on at length and she is pressed by these two men again and again about her views. And when it comes to the NAACP boycott of the state, which was causing the, uh, for example, the NCAA to not hold its sports tournaments in South Carolina and was causing some conventions to cancel their business in South Carolina. She had said, As a minority female, I'm going to go and talk to them. And I'm going to go and let them know that every state has their traditions and every state has certain things that they hold as part of their heritage. So she, you know, used her background to try to emphasize that she shared this viewpoint, essentially, you know, with these groups as far as not taking the flag down. Nikki Haley has talked a lot about what it was like growing up in South Carolina as someone of Indian American heritage. Can you talk about whether she experienced racial tensions in the state herself while growing up there? Yes, Nikki Haley grew up in a small town, a very rural county uh, in South Carolina. The town was called Bamberg. And Nikki Haley has written about, for example, when sides were being chosen for kickball and the children were split into groups of blacks and whites. Are you black or white, she says a schoolmate asked her. I'm neither, Haley responded. I'm brown, quote unquote. That's from her memoir. She said that, quote, I just wanted to fit in. So that's, that's quite a remarkable background. And in the county where she was growing up, there were less than 1% Asian, which was her background, her family background, having come from India. So she you know, certainly made a lot of this, and she still does, that she has that background. I think you grow up in a small town, and, you know, your father wears a turban, your mother wears a sari. Um, we look different. Um, everybody treated us different. When it came to taking standardized tests, there was black, white, and other. We were always an other. So there were a lot of... In fact, that was one of the concerns when she met with these Confederate heritage groups. They knew her background. They knew she talked about basically being a person of color, having faced racism. So they were actually concerned that that might sway her on the Confederate flag. It's one of the reasons they wanted assurances from her that she would not remove that flag. Now, obviously, she eventually became governor. 
Did the issue of the flag come up during her early years as governor in South Carolina, including when she started to run for re-election? When she ran for re-election in 2014, you know, things had changed. Nikki Haley was getting a lot of national notice. This time around in 2014, she once again faced a Democratic opponent she faced in 2010, Vincent Shaheen. He did make taking the flag down from the statehouse grounds a central issue. Nikki Haley's campaign came out with this extraordinary statement in which it called Shaheen's proposal to take the flag down desperate and irresponsible, quote-unquote. That's a very strong statement. You can say... I disagree with having the flag there, but I don't have the votes. In this case, calling it desperate and irresponsible to try to take the flag down, and that's going a lot farther. So not only was she remaining firm in her position on this issue, but it sounds like she went even a little further this time. But in 2015, things finally came to a head with some really horrifying incidents. Can you talk about what changed in 2015? Yes. So during... Um, the first months of her second term, two things happened in particular. First, there was this incident in which a white police officer shot a black man. A bystander's video showed that, um, in fact, he was trying to run away and he was shot in the back. And it led a state senator in particular named Clementa Pinckney to propose that all South Carolina police officers wear body cams. Over this past week, uh, many of us have seen on the television, have read in newspapers, and have seen all the reports about uh, Walter Scott, who, in my words, uh, was murdered in North Charleston. It has really uh, created uh, a real heartache uh, and a yearning for justice People. This was in June of 2015, and Nikki Haley, she wholeheartedly embraced this proposal by Senator Pinckney to require South Carolina police officers to wear body cams. And in fact, that legislation was passed. She signed it. And South Carolina was the first state to put this into effect. We're going to lift everyone up and make the state better. And that's why this is a proud day. That's why this is a good day, because this was about saying we don't ever want a day like that to happen again. This is going to strengthen the people. A week later, the same state senator, Clementa Pickney, he attends a legislative hearing, and then he drives on the 17th of June in 2015 to Charleston, South Carolina, where he is a pastor at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston. And then on the same day, there's a 21-year-old whose name is Dylan Roof. He also drives to this church in Charleston. And then their faiths intertwine in the most tragic way. 21-year-old Dylan Roof had posted a picture of himself showing himself with a Confederate flag and a firearm. He had posted this um, document, some people call it a manifesto, that essentially made clear he was hoping to start a race war. When he arrived at the church where Pinckney was a pastor and teaching a Bible study class, he went in, he was invited in, and he sat and listened to this Bible study class for an hour. And then he pulled out his weapon and murdered nine black parishioners, including Senator Pinckney. It was one of the most dramatic shootings at a time we've had so many mass shootings, but the circumstance of this mass shooting was extraordinary. The mayor of Charleston, South Carolina, called it pure, pure, concentrated evil. And 
because of the way this was done, and in part because Senator Pinckney, the state senator, was so well-known and beloved in South Carolina and was a national figure in his own right, it just got extraordinary attention. And that, of course, focused new attention on the fact that for the five years nearly that she served as governor, Governor Haley had not taken action to take down the Confederate flag, which was noted because Dylan Roof had posed with his Confederate flag. After the break, Michael tells Anahad how the horrific shooting in Charleston increased public pressure on Nikki Haley to take down the Confederate flag from the State House grounds. We'll be right back. I remember this horrifying shooting, which was really a flashpoint. It was such a horrific incident. What kind of pressure did Nikki Haley face at this time? I mean, you talked about her 2010 meeting where she told the leaders of these Confederate heritage groups that she wasn't going to change her mind on the flag. But then in 2015, we saw very publicly that she did. Can you describe some of the circumstances behind the scenes that made her do this? Well, right away, there was a lot of pressure on her, certainly from the black legislators and then from others. There were business groups saying, you know, enough is enough. And Nikki Haley is asked on CBS this morning, a day or two after the mass murder. But what's your position on the issue? You know, right now, to start having policy conversations with the people of South Carolina, I understand that's what y'all want. My job is to heal the people of this state. We had a 26-year-old that just graduated college. We had anywhere from... So she has not yet decided what to do. As you read her memoir later, it seems she's realizing that she may have no choice. Um, And she writes how this caused her an immense amount of stress and even a post-traumatic stress disorder. She said she lost 20 pounds as she worried about things over these days. But as she was waiting and trying to figure out what to do, there were Republicans in the legislature, white Republicans, who were saying, we need to pass legislation to take this down. There were a lot of national calls to take it down. Barack Obama had gone to the funeral service for the nine people who were killed. That attracted a lot of attention. Removing the flag from this state's capital would not be an act of political correctness. It would not be an insult to the valor of Confederate soldiers. It would simply be an acknowledgement that the cause for which they fought, the cause of slavery, was wrong. Her reluctance to say what she wanted to do on the flag was putting an awful lot of pressure and spotlight on her. So it took five days. Um, she came out at a press conference and called for it to be taken down. We are here in a moment of unity in our state, without ill will, to say it's time to move the flag from the Capitol grounds. But at the same time, you know, specifically said that while there's some people who see the flag in South Carolina as a symbol of respect, others who see it as a, quote, deeply offensive symbol of a brutally repressive past, She said South Carolina could still be, quote, home to both of these viewpoints. There will be some in our state who see this as a sad moment. I respect that. But know this, for good and for bad, whether it is on the statehouse grounds or in a museum, the flag will always be a part of the soil of South Carolina. Now, 
in fairness, Nikki Haley, she did push people to uh, take this position. When she came along and made her press conference, that did help you know, people say, you know, we need to do this. Um, sometimes in shorthand, it gets described as Nikki Haley took down the Confederate flag. It was a piece of legislation that she eventually signed uh, on July 9th of 2015. Um, but there were an awful lot of things that went into it. And she had, I think, as we've pretty clearly documented, dismissed efforts for nearly five years to take this action. Now, one person you spoke with for this story was State Senator Daryl Jackson. He was in the legislature at the time that all of this was happening. Can you tell me a little bit about Jackson and how he felt about Haley's role in bringing down the flag? Yes, I spoke with Senator Jackson in his office, which overlooks the State House in Columbia. And one of the things I asked him, he is a black Democrat whose ancestors were enslaved South Carolinians. I noted to him that in her memoir, Nikki Haley wrote that, quote, even many African-American Democrats were privately opposed to the idea of reopening the flag debate. That quote is really central to the story. It's one of the things that really got me interested in going further because she's essentially saying, well, it's, it's not just me, it's black Democrats didn't want to do this either. So, of course, I went to black Democrats such as Senator Jackson and said, is that true? You were there in 2000, you're still there today. And he said, absolutely not. No one, no one never thought we, we are happy with this flag being there forever, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, some of us... I asked the Haley campaign, can she name a single black Democrat as she um, uh, alleged in her book, who were opposed to the idea of reopening the flag debate. They did not provide me with the name of a single black Democrat who met that criteria. Michael, Haley's currently running for president. I'm wondering how she talks about this moment in her career on the campaign trail. And has she or her campaign responded to any of your reporting? Well, I looked at what she said in particular in her announcement video and the announcement speech. And if you watch her announcement video, she does show scenes of what happened um, as a result of the 2015 massacre at the church in Charleston. And when evil did come. Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several victims, we don't know the uh, severity. We turned away from fear toward God and the value. She does not mention the fact that she played this role in taking down the flag. So why she doesn't mention that, she didn't respond to my questions about that. Obviously, this is a time in which the Republican Party is focused on uh, uh, battling what they call these woke efforts to reassess the racial lines that you know, demarcate our history in this country. So I don't know if she's not talking about it because she doesn't want to upset people who want to be anti-woke. Um, it is certainly the climate in which she's now trying to run in a different Republican primary this time for the uh, uh, party's presidential nomination. So it's something that I would think that she would be asked about as she appears, and we'll have to see you know, if she uh, more directly addresses it. What I can say is that for this story, um, she declined to respond to some pretty direct questions uh, about it from me. Instead, they made a very general statement through a spokesperson in which the spokesperson said there was little appetite in either party to take down the flag, and Haley did her best to hold they state together, and that without Haley's leadership, the flag wouldn't have come down. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what the spokesperson said. As you watch Nikki Haley out there on the campaign trail today, why do you think it's so important for voters to know about this story? What drew you into it, and 
What does it tell us about Haley as we see her out there on the stump today? Well, you know, I, th- I have written for years and years about people running for president, and I'm always interested in how have they been tested by fire? What happened at a crucial moment in their career that shows how they dealt with something and how does that potentially shape the kind of person they would be if they're elected president? You know, this was an incredibly tragic event. A avowed white supremacist killed nine black people at a church in Charleston, including a state senator that Haley knew very well. So this was a shaping event for her. She has certainly described it that way. It's probably what many people, if they knew nothing else about Nikki Haley, you know, will remember that this mass murder occurred, that she played this role in taking down the Confederate flag. So I really wanted to look into, you know, what happened, especially since we're now seeing her run. She will, you know, frequently invoke the fact that she is a minority woman and that makes her, you know, such a distinguishing factor for her among many others. And, you know, she has been a, a barrier breaker and a path breaker in that and other ways. So given that this event is one of the most notable, if not the most notable, of the crisis that she had to face, it's really an extraordinary chapter in the history of Nikki Haley. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Michael Cranish is a national political investigative reporter for The Post. He spoke to my colleague, Anahad O'Connor. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Monica Campbell. If you want to show your support for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do, and you get access to the kind of in-depth political reporting we had on today's show. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Libby Casey. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.